I, I don't, dude, I don't agree with that way of doing psychology. I think, here's how I think psychological science or psychological research has to fucking be done, which is awesome. You are who you are. Porn is who he is. You have the um, psychology and object relations and attachment style and your wounds and your pathologies and your relations that how you are and yeah. that and that's a fucking fact that's the way it is and then we look at your life and say this life produced that psychology you can't do it the opposite way around <laughs> yeah. so, we now bring you enter the freud warning this is for entertainment purposes only it is no way medical advice listen at your own risk so here's basically what it is you break up with someone from a, from a romantic relationship and you remain friends. That's what it is, right? And so whether there are five stages or not, that is, it, it's really a, an idea that rather than have the, the basic idea of, hey, we're breaking up because you suck and you keep doing everything wrong and I'm telling you I need this from you and you won't do it. Yeah, 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 right. Right, that, that, the, endless cycle which it's really weird because i think this is the first time that i can recall in recent history that my relationship has come to an end but but i guess it's more like it's transforming away from romantic to friendship now mm-hmm. without there being a bunch of hostility and a punctuated fight that ends it that's yeah yeah that's cool it, it, actually i didn't realize but this is a really good topic to discuss I can feel myself wanting to start theorizing about relationships and how they go and how they end and all that. But maybe before we tackle it theoretically, just maybe tell the kind of tell the story a little bit. What which story? Because it's kind of a co- just like your I don't know your whole relationship story. You could do a quick overview of the relationship and then the tell the breakup story. The relationship basically ran its course, and then in the end, I was talking to her and I was like. Hey, I gotta. I, I'm leaving next weekend. I'm gonna be gone for a week. And she's like, "Oh yeah, when you get back, I'm going to Germany." And I was like, "What?" You're, and I, I'm like, "Well, I'm not gonna see you forever." And she's like, "Yeah, it's probably a good time to take a break." And I was like, "Really? Like you mean a like a break so we're not like romantic anymore?" And that's literally how the breakup happened. And at some point, wow. I said, "I said, holy shit, did we just break up and no one accused the other one of anything fucking weird?" That's <laughs> that's literally how it happened. I actually reflected after we broke up, saying, "Did we just break up? That was so weird." Yeah, that is weird. And that's, a, that's a rare uh, phenomenon. Absolutely. In in one because I totally thought, "Oh man, she's gonna be disappointed." Or like I projected a bunch of stuff onto this relationship and, and then weird roles that I would have to play of like, oh, maybe it, it kind of like reminded me if I were going to try to do this again intentionally, how weird and manipulative the whole process could be, right? It, what, how, what do you mean? So if, if I went... Like, if this was my intention, then it would be like, okay, six months before you break up, you got to start laying the breadcrumbs, right? Stop calling her as much. Make oh, make sure that you, when you hang out, don't have sex a couple times, right? Like, you start... Like, like you, would, you, would plan, you would wean her off and you'd plan it way in advance. Yes, and, and because I know that's what we're all doing as we start to 
to engage romantically, we, you, you present a side of yourself that is ultimately attractive, desirable, and you, you kind of front load that. But so in the end, if you were going to try to do this again, it would be really hard to stop yourself from kind of running a script or protocol. I think, and maybe that's just me and I'm, I'm a weirdo, but um, I'm just being totally transparent about how it is. It's almost like, I think of it this way. It, like, if you don't pay attention to what is happening in your relationship, I think they would all go this way. I, th I think relationships have a course that they run. And unless you're really trying to do something else, which for whatever reason, Melanie and I were not trying to stop, we weren't trying to rekindle it and get ready for the next round. Mm. We, we were some reason not dedicated. And when you say for whatever reason, see, see, see if you can kind of uh, uh, do your best to figure out what the reason is. Well, I, I, I can't understand what is going on for her. Because we were both really happy. And it was, it was obviously like a great relationship for the two of us. And I'm also kind of like, there's a slight feeling of freedom and excitement where I'm like, oh, wow, man. Like, I'm, I'm single and I don't, like, I, I don't even have a lined up next lady. Mm -hmm. Like, for real. And I know a lot and of that, and that's unusual for you. Normally, you start getting the future ladies start to get your sights on the horizon. Absolutely, and I think that's just been really common. And I remember when one of my more significant relationships ended, and my fiance at the time said, "Yeah, I started noticing my eyes wander," and I was like, "Oh, weird! Like you're admitting." that you started to look at other dudes in a romantic way. Um, and that was one of the signs for her that, hmm. that the relationship had, had, had turned a corner, right? Yeah. But it's, it's really weird because as, as um, effortless as this happened for me most recently, um, it kind of points to something bigger almost. But I, okay, sorry. I don't want to just launch off into what I think is profound about this because I well, yeah, ultimately that's what we should focus on because that sounds interesting. Um, but but it, what else is there? Any other details of the story? It seems like it seems like this. Okay, so here's the story that I just heard: is you guys got COVID sort of presented a natural place for you guys to sort of like get back together. And you had good chemistry, and it went really great for COVID. And then, by and large, it was a good uh, relationship. But for some reason, after a year or two or three, I guess if COVID started, it, was it would two. have been like it's it's coming up on two, two. But but I, but after the first year, the charge started to fade a little. I think you said yeah. So you had one year of really good chemistry, and then the second year of the charge faded, but you guys still had a nice relationship. And, but then now here in the past couple of months or however long, um, you guys were starting to drift apart and both of you kind of knew it, but neither of you tried to fix it. You just sort of let yourselves drift apart. Yeah, I, th I think Melanie was trying to fix it more than, than I was, but the fix um, 
didn't seem like like the idea of what would be next is move in together and pursue some kind of longer trajectory. And that seemed um, not desirable. It just, yeah. it didn't seem like it fit within the, the dynamic. How come? Say more about when you say desirable, like why well, wouldn't you desire that? It just felt almost like if we were doing that, and this is totally, once again, this is my side of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like as I imagined doing that, I thought, oh, well, that's, it's like, I would have to force myself into that model. Like my natural tendency, if I really pay attention to what it's doing is more um, nomad-like. It's more like, oh yeah, I, I need to stay without too many roots. And I've been doing this for like 10 years though. It has nothing to yep. do with her. Okay, how about before you got divorced? Well, either before you got divorced or before that engagement of yours broke when you were younger. Do you think they seemed permanent before that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think I, think I have the same thing. I, th I bet you that's a common thing is when you grow up, you have this belief that you're gonna get married and live happily ever after and there's until death do us part yeah and then after you get divorced the until death do us part it's kind of like no bullshit i don't think they're permanent and then you just have this jaded thing i guess it's kind of like um it, it's so weird that at some point there is a reality that it's not permanent it really isn't it never was and that weird th phenomenon that happens when you're young in romantic attachment and you you know this is the most permanent thing you're going to get married it's awesome and you're like shit we're 16 that doesn't make sense right and, and then by the time you're 17 you're not with that person you're like what that's so screwed up <laughs> like how did that happen yeah but during the time that you're 16 and you're in love with somebody that's like 10,000 years long. It's like 60 lifetimes. Like, oh, yeah. oh my God. And then it goes into the file now when you're more mature and you're like, who was that person again? Like, who, who was I in <laughs> totally. love with when I was 16? Like, it doesn't even matter anymore. Totally. Right? Like, like that. So, so I, I think in my mind, I'm actually like kind of screening for a subtle, um, it's like a subtle, I'm fighting against the idea that there's something wrong with me for the way that this, this relationship ended just most recently, mm. right? Because mm. it kind of implied that, that I treat relationships as if they're expendable because I'm not fighting for the love, right? Yeah, 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 right. There's something right. Well, there's, there's definitely people who would um, say that about you. Let me try to uh, uh, articulate their narrative. It's fairly obvious, but it's worth me articulating anyways. The, that and I, it's probably the most common held and kind of the, the view of relationships that's held in the most high esteem in our culture, which is the best thing is to find a lifelong partner, but there's a lot of people who have emotional wounds for a variety of reasons that are scared of that level of commitment scared of that level of vulnerability, um, they're immature, they're too self-centered, 
or whatever. And I think that the, the accusation that would be leveled against you is that you got traumatized by this kind of like youthful, starry-eyed, romantic young lad in you who wanted to find your wife and live happily ever after. A couple of relationships traumatized that part in you, and now you just have wounds and you're jaded, so you won't trust women to open yourself up to be fully vulnerable to them now. Nice. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. That's the narrative that I'm trying to um, unconsciously fight against as I'm, as I'm describing it. So, so as I've been talking about this relationship with Melanie, it's not honest. Like I'm, I don't know. Cause this is the first time I've really tried to describe some, so, well, it just fucking happened. Right. Mm-hmm. It happened like uh, day before yesterday. So the, it's truly a new experience. And, and the idea that that I'm giving myself permission to actually be like this and say like, oh yeah, dude, you don't have to go ahead and fight for a relationship because first of all, you have one and other people don't. So don't be fucking spoiled. And she's a great catch. So what are you a fucking idiot? Um, Cause later on you're going to be stupid and alone. So don't pass this up. Right. There's, there's like a couple things where I can hear other people's voices telling me how stupid this is for me to not fight for it. Oh, don't you know, like, this is the only thing that matters. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And, um, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with it. It's like, I don't want to be somebody who was in a motorcycle club and now I'm kind of like, oh yeah, dude, I don't, I don't need that motorcycle anymore. Bro, are you crazy? Don't you know you need this? <laughs> like, I, I don't really need the, um, but it, see, it's different because I have a lot of faith that I'm going to be, faith is the wrong fucking word, but I know that I'm going to be in another romantic relationship before too long. Right, totally. But like, what is, why is there something wrong with that? In my mind, I'm already fighting against this idea that, oh, you don't get to do that. You, you shouldn't have that attitude. What? what? Yeah, well, that's interesting. Okay, so I, here's the thought I just had, which I think is actually a really important kind of profound reality that most people don't um, get, which is, I think most people don't, you just used this word faith and you didn't want to use the word faith, but let's just use the word faith. I think most people do not have faith that if they become single, that they'll be able to find a new, lovely, romantic partner. I think most people don't have that faith. And when they go through a breakup, it just hits all these deep emotional things and they get thrown into a dark, scary, lonely, fucking bottomless pit of shit. And, and they're desperate and scared and they, they completely lose faith that they're going to be able to find someone else. And I think it's a mix of just like some primal, primitive attachment thing. And I also think it's just the reality of we're all pretty fucking insecure and we don't have a ton of experience as adults finding new good 
uh, romantic partner. So I, don't, I think most people don't have faith, and I think that lack of faith is part of what keeps people so locked, like unquestionably, you've got to stay in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then I, I meet people, and they're fucking rare. There's not many of them, but you're one of the few I know who do have that faith. And I think that faith changes a person's whole worldview on relationships. Mm. But so, like, I, it's almost like there's a, there's a, almost like a positive view of this, but I'm struggling against the negative aspect where it kind of suggests that I'm sociopathic. This position that I have, right? Why are you, why, why well, are you sociopathic? Well, it implies that I'm sociopathic. And, and specifically to me, it's because of my childhood where, and, and this is just overanalyzing the situation, right? Where supposedly I'm supposed to have really screwed up attachment because of the fact that I was repeatedly removed from my, my parents, my caregivers, right? Starting, yeah, yeah. starting from way too young, six months old, taken away from them, and then eventually sent far away across the world by myself, right? Like that supposedly is, going to make me into the most dysfunctional attachment style. And then here I am way down the road in a mature state, consciously saying, hey man, that was a really cool relationship. And now it's transforming more to a friendship and we don't really want to have sex anymore. So we're just going to kind of be friends now. And maybe we'll, we'll go to a concert together with all the other people and that maybe we'll do that, but we don't really want to like meet up and do the whole other romantic thing. And then, and then I'm looking at that internally with this conflicted thing of like, are you doing that because as a kid, they subjected you? <laughs> Do you see? Oh, Do you see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, to I, for I totally can see how you'd have that. But so for, I, and I've never thought of it in these terms, but I've sort of um, obviously watched you be in various romantic relationships over the whatever 20 some years we've known each other. Yeah. And, um, it seems like your pattern of romantic relationships suggests that you have a, surprisingly, given what you said about your early childhood, surprisingly, it seems like your romantic relationship pattern and also your friendship relationships and also your relationships with like your mom and your dad and your sister, you, it seems like you ha actually have a pretty healthy attachment relating style. It, I, it doesn't even make sense. Like it, it goes against the whole idea of how we produce a sociopathic person. Well, it's a you, you're an interesting case study. So let's let's poke around a little bit in it. It could be here's here's been my assumption of your childhood, which I have no idea if it's true. But I assumed that in your early years, when you were an infant and a toddler that you were actually with your mom and dad a lot, and it wasn't until you were like eight or something that you were sent off to India. Not true. Okay, so what's the actual reality? Starting six months, there was a bunch of forced separation. Oh. So, but, and the, who were you being taken care of when you were separated? Uh, I, I don't know. Some strange, incompetent, culty-like camp. So I, the problem with that was I, I don't think the, the people taking care of me were, uh, were, true, were at all capable. And so I started to develop some chronic pneumonia 
So when I would when I would be taken away, I would often return with pneumonia. And so there there's obviously something really wrong with this, but here's what's so fascinating is if you didn't know that about me, now that you know, you might think, oh shit, like look at this sociopath, right? But without knowing that, oh shit, this guy went through some really, really crazy shit as a tiny little man, right? As a tiny little being. And then like, well then does that mean that, that the way that, that I'm currently relating to Melanie is any less? I don't, I don't, dude, I don't agree with that way of doing psychology. I think, here's how I think psychological science or psychological research has to fucking be done, which is awesome. You are who you are. Porn is who he is. You have the um, psychology and object relations and attachment style and your wounds and your pathologies and your relations that how you are and yeah. that and that's a fucking fact that's the way it is and then we look at your life and say this life produced that psychology you can't do it the opposite way around <laughs> yeah. so what's weird and sort of challenging about your life is even though you had a lot of fucked up shit like being carted off at six months to some incompetent caregivers and living a lot of your childhood in india at some fucked up like boarding school slash concentration camp um whatever the fuck it was it produced your current psychology and your current psychology your your romantic relationships your friendships and your relationships with your mom dad and sister are pretty fucking uh, are signs of secure attachment right so mysteriously your childhood produced a pretty secure attachment and it's really weird because of many of my friends who went through a, a really similar childhood like this, which this is so almost warranting a, a study in a, in a sense about, because I know so many of them who I can actually point to how it replicates exactly mine, right? Mm -hmm. This was systematically done to a lot of kids and some of them are dysfunctional today, but then some of them are like, like why am I still in contact with so many of them? Like we, we've maintained a bond and then a lot of them are actually still married to one person. And, mm -hmm. and then they, there they are being reasonably good parents to their children. And then there they are functioning within society and, and career oriented. And like, I'm not sure this whole idea of attachment style is really cracked up to the type of dysfunction that we're all implying it does. Well, I, I agree that our assumptions about how personalities are formed need to be really um, questioned and reconsidered. Because here's what needs to happen. I'm being silly here, but it's like there needs to be a video camera, like a drone video camera that follows a baby around from the time it's born for its whole life. And then there needs to be a thousand of these with a thousand people. And we can actually see what type of relating and what type of experience every little kid has and then see what what sort of adult psychology that creates and i believe if we saw that we'd really like learn a shitload because so here's an example i know I'll, i'm not going to use people's names just to obscure identities here so i know two people one i'll say one is a woman and she grew up with a really fucked up childhood like as 
you know, really fucked up in many, many, many ways, fucked up abuse, no parents, and she's turned up pretty goddamn well. Yeah. And then I know another person, I'll call this the male, who grew up with a seemingly easy Lux childhood, and that person has turned out shitty, right? <laughs> okay, so what is it? And maybe we could call it genetics or, or temperament or whatever, but I don't think it is. I think there's something in terms of nurture versus nature. I actually think there's things in the nurture yeah. that have determined this, and I have hypotheses about it, which I could go into, but I won't for now. But it's like, it's not always so simple as we think. So in the case, back to you, it could be that like, um, maybe with you and maybe with all humans, maybe there's like a critical window of time that's in the first six months. And in that first six months, you had some super good bonding, whatever shit with your mom or your dad or something. Or it could be that between six and 12 months, yeah, you were carted off. But maybe there was just one caregiver there. And maybe the caregiver was a 13-year-old girl. And she just fucking loved little baby porn. Yeah. And, like, did a super good job with you versus she only loved you. And then the other kids in that nursery weren't getting that or something, you know? It's hard yeah, to yeah. say. Right, exactly. It's, it's entirely hard to say. And so it could have been some redeeming relationship quality. And so many stories are told like that. Oh, this person's life was shitty, but oh my God, look at this. Can you believe that the person had one gym teacher who said, you can do it, and then you're Michael Jordan, right? Like, okay, right. nice fucking story, but really this kind of a, a, an illusion that there, there has to be a singular and or events of that go contrary to, this is exactly what my fucking point is, right? The larger point of this conscious decoupling thing is it's revealing a deep-seated identity issue with human beings that says that you, based on the life that is painful and disturbing, you will end up screwed up unless there's some, some other contrary phenomenon. Right. It's like it's such a bizarre, overly simplistic view of what a human being is. And one of the things is like like as a result of this life that's absurd that, that I've lived um, or maybe not so absurd. It, I have this weird, eternally optimistic view of life. And it's so bad that like oftentimes my patients will clown me for being able to turn anything that happens to them into like, dude, that's fucking awesome, right? This yeah. this guy last week, he tells me, hey man, I got all, uh, like, I was drunk at a bar and these guys said this racial slur and I was like, oh, what's up? And then one of them punched me in the face. And I was like, whoa, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool, man. It's just like, like, like I was a victim of a hate crime. And I'm like, my, my immediate reaction was like, holy shit, like, now you get to say that happened, right? Like you're the kind of guy who now has been through this thing and you you see how durable you are. You're not, you're like, you don't have to live in fear. Oh, I'm a guy who people are gonna bully. It's like, wow. And, and it's like, sometimes that's annoying, right? Cause then I, I didn't just embrace the suck of like, whoa, that must've really sucked. Mm -hmm. But that, that's just, my psychology is not like that typical type of psychologist that's going to really sit with the pain. I don't sit with pain, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't sit with it and 
unless I'm forced to, which maybe that's why I'm compulsively putting myself into pain. Like my most recent thing is sitting in a sauna until I either reach 22 minutes or my heartbeat goes above 170. Oh my God, your heartbeat will go that high in a sauna? Yeah, if, dude, if you stayed in there for 20 minutes, it will also go above 170. Well, because at some point you you start to potentially die, right? You have to right. you have to get the point. and your heart rate is speeding up somehow to like try to cool you down or something. I'm not sure what is happening, but um, I I don't think going past 170 is a good idea, and I don't know how long. But also, what temperature is the sauna? It's like 180, not not too bad. It's like a normal sauna, but oh. I sit. But whatever, it's just, it goes back to how I'm consciously torturing myself. Yeah. Con I'm conscious, or uh, consciously, I'm constantly doing this. And yeah. then, then I give myself permission to not sit with other kinds of torment. Um, but I guess... Oh, so that, so this, I think this thing you said, back to, you know, we're kind of like trying to like grapple with this mystery of why some people do well when they had a rough childhood versus why some people don't or why some people don't do well even if they had what appears to be a good childhood. So you said you you have this um, kind of like stubborn optimism and this theory that seems obvious about this is that that you developed that stubborn optimism at some point in your life probably fairly young and you probably developed it as a strategy to deal with life sure and that strategy i believe is probably a really helpful one and has served you really well and then i bet s sitting next to you in the in the boarding school that you're at was a different kid and for whatever reason, he developed a different, maybe opposite strategy. Sure. There's sometimes a strategy where it's like, ah, fuck it. You know, this life sucks. Fuck it. I'm just going to check out. Like, that's a, that's a different way you could respond, which actually maybe is more logical, really. Yeah. But um, it's a different way. And then that one maybe really works out badly for that guy because he just does that for the rest of his life and he just becomes fucking depressed and just like a stick-in-the-mud shitty life, dude. And so why you developed your strategy versus why that guy developed that strategy, who knows exactly. But then if we're trying to turn this into uh, like some grand unified theory of psychology, what we'd want to do is figure out how we could encourage kids to develop the productive strategies. Yes, and I suppose this, as it comes to its actualized experience today, well then it's like, as a result, when your relationship ends, rather than go to a place of, oh, it ended because Melanie's not good enough. She doesn't, she got a cat in the middle of COVID knowing that I have a dog, and then that's how my relationship fell apart. I'm like, yeah. that's a true piece of the story, but it's so insignificant. And like, so are right. all the other, the other rubs of the relationship. Like, none of it's significant enough to say that, oh yeah, that's why this thing ended. But that the, the piece about 
how you develop psychology and then how that would potentially predict the way that you then have relationship complexities. And this goes immediately into what adults think about constantly when they say, hey, I have this repeating pattern and it's controlling my relationships, right? And that's obviously looking in hindsight. It's in retrospect to your relationship ended. And as you try to explain that to yourself, you come up with this theory. Well, I had three relationships, all of them ended, and that's because of my secret pattern, right? Yeah. And, and it's such convoluted logic when, when we do that, right? Yep. And I think as you and I talk about the evolution of why some of us would come up with a, a way to navigate relationships, but then again, it's like, sorry, I'm so scattered all of a sudden. I don't know. I don't know why. Suddenly, I feel completely like, like I'm coming out of a bubble, and now, now I can't, mm-hmm. I can't see all the threads that I was recently talking about, because yeah. it's, it, it's weird. There's, there's like maybe an emotional component to that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like, it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel so obvious. But and and now that I pointed out, I'm losing track of what the fuck we were talking about. I got to okay. defer to you. All right, I'll jump in. It seems like, like you said that maybe some emotion came up to you and that kind of got you a little, you lost your thread. But it seems like one, one of the things that seems like is having an emotional impact on you is some story that you tell yourself and that the world of psychology kind of is telling everyone that like, Porin, you, you didn't work hard to save a relationship with a good catch woman. Therefore, you're fucked up and you're probably fucked up because you had a hard childhood. Like, yeah. dude, you're, you're fucked up, man. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, dude, that's the shadow. That's the thing chasing me as like, oh, you're going to regret this, man. Right? <laughs> and I do think, I, I think it's true. I think a lot of, a big percentage of our culture thinks that about you. Yeah. Both, both things. One is, uh, if you are in a relationship with a good catch, you gotta fucking do everything you can to keep that going. Most of our relation, most of our culture believes that, and most of our culture believes. And if you don't, you probably got issues. And porn. If we look at your life, clearly, dude, you got issues. So those are causing. So I, I think, I think it's very understandable. You have that kind of self-critical voice. Yeah. But. My, I don't know, dude. The, the the data that I'm looking at, it looks. I I I'm seeing a different picture. But so okay, a couple months from now, when I'm in a in a different relationship that is potentially, um, reasonable, not destructive, would we then say, oh, well, maybe there was something to this, or yeah, exactly. Well, like, and that's gonna, and that'll happen. I'm, I'll bet money that'll happen. Yeah, I can. I can pretty much guarantee that it's almost just like, like if any of us start eating irregularly and your metabolic process shifts and then you decide, Oh no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to going to predictably control my metabolism so that I gain more muscle and stay lean, whatever it is you're trying to do. It will happen, right? Your, your, this will occur in, in, 
I almost look at this very similarly. It's like, well, as long as I'm taking care of myself and I'm reasonably immersed within the world and I'm contributing and trying my best, that that historically, when I run into to women who are also trying to do that and then we have some chemistry, then we end up in a romantic relationship. Like, that seems predictable by this point in my life. It's like, if, if we're not going to say that that's predictable at this point, then what the fuck are we saying? Right? Right. Like, it's so predictable that um, I, I don't want to point out that then it's like, well, is this compulsive? This must be an illness. Like, <laughs> you, you see that? That's totally. It's so strange. Like, it's almost like, for us to have a mature stance about relationships, we have to combat a whole host of bullshit. Yep. This is, this is like the dark part of trying to become stable and independent as, as an adult. Is like, oh, no, no, to do that is pathological. You're, you're clearly motivated by, by um, unconscious neurosis. Yep. Yeah, and those those voices, those narratives that we're saying are so strong in culture, um, they've come out of I was I was describing they've come out of intense human insecurity and lack of faith that you can lack of faith that there's an abundance of good relationships out there if you want them, but it's also comes from history, like our current moment in time with regards to relationships is radically fucking different than it was 30 years ago yeah. and is really radically different than it was 100 years ago. So we're like suddenly thrust into a whole new world and we need a whole new um, system of, uh, we need a whole new paradigm of relationships now and we can't just keep bringing our old system with us because we're in a radically new place relationally. Wow. Well, you know, it's a weird side effect of talking about this, Dave, is I, I, like, I feel better. And I already felt mm. pretty good, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, dude, I just had this really cool thing where, where a relationship ended and it ended really well, man. I was like really excited. And I was like, dude, I got to tell Dave about this. It's really fucking awesome, right? And now that we talk about how how much weird stuff one has to do to make that happen. I, I feel even better. I'm yeah. like, well, okay. There's one other, I, let's get back to this conscious decoupling thing. Cause I think there's one fairly simple thing that I want to describe. Yeah. And that is, um, most, here's how most relationships go. Two people meet and they fall in love. And like you were saying, when you meet and fall in love, you kind of present the best, image of yourself and yeah. so it's, it's slightly unrealistic you kind of like dress up and smell good and be extra gentlemanly like and that's what everyone does when you meet and fall in love and that's cool and actually i'm kind of an advocate that i think people should try to continue doing that in the relationship kind of forever in the relationship oh yeah sure but but what always all well not always what most often happens is after the honeymoon phase wears off people start to get lazy and they stop showing up as their best selves and they start to like mm, kind of like slowly but surely sink into just their normal mediocre selves and then as they do that they start to get a little disappointed in their partner and then 
when they're in their mediocre self and they're disappointed in their partner's mediocre self, they start being like, huh, I don't like the way you're wearing your hair. Huh, why don't you wash the dishes? And when I'm doing that, that's not attractive. And so now my partner does the same shit back and it just sort of degenerates. And my point here is that we humans, we have um, all, I don't believe this in these simple terms, but I'll say it like this. We have two different selves. We have kind of the, our best selves that we present when we're on a first date or that we present if we're interviewing for a job oh, yeah. or usually most of us present it like at like me, I'm a therapist. So I'm always in that self. Like when I'm working with my clients, it's kind of this person. And then we have our like regressed selves. That's like, <laughs> and weirdly in romantic relationships, we almost always sink into that. And that person comes out. Weird. And then when that person comes up, it pulls that in the other person and it just spirals negatively. And that's usually the path towards which relationships end is one or the other person is doing that. Yeah, and yeah. then and then you sink into that rut and you get stuck there and you're like, ah, I don't want this, I don't like this, and the other person does it. And that's when breakups happen and it's not conscious decoupling. It's like fucking toddler temper tantrum breaking up. Yes. that That's the one that we see in couples therapy infinitely. Always. All couples therapy always has to do with that. Yeah. And you and Melanie, to your credit, just neither of you let yourself sink down into that regressed thing. But either of you could have, but somehow you both just like were mature enough to just like stay up out of that fucking muck. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 for whatever reason. It's I, I, admittedly yeah. the first time in my life that I'm doing this, and perhaps the first time in her life, I don't know, I didn't check with her. Perhaps the next time that we hang out, I'll, I'll be able to reflect with her what, like, what the fuck this means. But yeah, it's, it, it's weird. And I know that there are some elements in the equation that made this more possible, right? It is like, just as far as a trend, I feel like, like what I'm personally doing is working. And I, and in, in her case, she's got a new career going. There's a whole bunch of shit happening for her. That's great. And it's like, wow, like that's cool to see. It makes it easier to do as opposed to everything's going to shit. It's hard to say like, wow, well, I, I love you anyways. See you later. Like <laughs> that's, it's, it's like really hard to then say that, oh, this is a goal we should all try to do, right? But, but it kind of, it kind of ties, I, I guess, I, I know we got to wrap up soon, but, but like the last piece that, that this kind of revealed to me was how much we have this, this like endless tendency to, to focus on how things are, uh, I was going to say how things are problematic, but now that I'm talking about it, I've lost that thread. I, I like, I had an idea about half an hour ago and now mm. like it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense exactly anymore. It, it was like, okay. it was so clear. And now like, I think this conversation is, is forcing me to have new ideas and I don't, I don't know exactly w what it all is. Yeah, well, you're, we're out, you're out, it's pushed you out into new territory, and you're like, oh, that thing, oh, that thing, and, 
it'll take a little while to everything to kind of get familiar and consolidate. It's a, it was a surprisingly fruitful topic, actually. Yeah, 